In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one man and one woman will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine, well, very little actually, Eric Johnson and Emily Jones star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the other has never even seen. I'm Eric Johnson. And I'm Emily Jones. If this is your first time listening, you can find more Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob at gvnpodcast.com. And you can also find all of our past episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Today, we're watching All the President's Men, a 1976 movie based on the book by Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, two reporters from the Washington Post who you I, you might have heard of, maybe? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. They're kind of low. Not very important. <laughs> um, so the reason we're doing this is tomorrow, June 17th, is the 46th anniversary of the break-in at the Watergate office complex in Washington, D.C. And spoiler alert for history, if you don't know this, then spoilers, um, that break-in ultimately led to the resignation of President Richard Milhouse Nixon. So this weekend, uh, we're watching two very different movies about Watergate, one of which presents the actual history and the other of which is questionable. Um, We'll see which one's which. Uh, we'll preview tomorrow's film at the end of this episode, but today is all about All the President's Men, which follows Woodward and Bernstein as they try to report out what really happened that night in June of 1972. It stars Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman and features Jason Robards as the editor of the Washington Post, Ben Bradley. And I have somehow never seen it. Somehow doesn't quite encapsulate how... (laughs) amazing this was to me. I only just learned this recently, that you went to journalism school, you are a professional journalist, Yes. and yet you have not seen what is probably the best-known movie about journalism ever made, at least in America. Like, this is a movie that I feel like I've seen more in journalism classes that I, I feel like is watched in, more in journalism classes around the country than anywhere else. Like, this movie has this incredibly long shelf life just from, like, journalism like teachers and professors just deciding, uh, you should probably see this at some point. <laughs> is it, like, would it be, like, a helpful mitigating circumstance if I said, like, I've I've been to a lecture by Bob Woodward? Like, is that, does that help? Yeah, or... that, that's pretty legit. Okay. I, I, Bob Woodward, yeah. It's, I, not I like I, still, uh... it's not like I don't know who these guys are. I just, yeah. like, I don't know, didn't watch a lot of movies in journalism classes. And, like, when we did, it wasn't this. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I pr- when I first saw this movie, it was probably in high school journalism class. But then I think I saw it again. Which is where high school journalism class is where we watched my Watergate movie that we (laughs) will be watching tomorrow, which you'll see was an interesting choice. I since I actually do know what it is, so I'm laughing. We also watched um, Shattered Glass. The oh, movie, we watched that too. Yeah, yeah. About the one good hating Christensen movie. Yeah, star uh, starring Anakin Skywalker. He was pretty good in that. He I gotta is, say, I like that movie. He was pretty good in that. Yeah, it was a solid movie. It really, it yeah. really was. Um, 
Yeah. So anyway, anyway, you know what else I've, is a solid movie? I've never seen all the president's <laughs> men. I'm sorry. I guess I guess it's I need right. to have my journalism card revoked if that were a thing that one had. No, no, I'm not. I'm not actually angry at you. I was just uh, taking in any uh, any opportunity I could just to have to lord something over you after my sound of music. Uh, you know, you're still uh, never going to lifetime of avoiding sound of music. Okay. <laughs> um, so hey, let's go watch all the presidents. Yeah, Men where can and- we find it? So you can find it on all the usual places. You can rent or buy it. Amazon, Vudu, Google Play, YouTube, iTunes, all, all those places. Um, it looks like if you, if you have a subscription to Filmstruck, which I think you can get through Amazon, you can also watch oh, it there. Filmstru- I should get a Filmstruck subscription. That's the new TCM thing, right? I think so. I, I get confused it's, with all the streaming services, I think and I just tend to like for, give up like pretty quickly. Well, I mean, obviously, I... we all need to subscribe to House Flicks, but yeah, no, I think that Filmstruck is <laughs> uh, is the it's like classic movies. Okay, well, yeah, anyway, so it looks like... It's rentable in various places. Rentable in various places. And yeah, it looks like I was wrong. It's not through Amazon, but Filmstruck, I guess, is connected to the Criterion Collection. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And Which if you is... want to do that one, if you want to watch it that way, it looks like they have a free trial. So Ooh, interesting. Um, so anyway, however you prefer to watch it, go watch All the President's Men. That's what we're about to do. And we'll be back after this with spoilers. <laughs> President, are you ready to take the constitutional oath? If you will place your left hand on the Bible and raise your right hand, and please repeat after me. I, Richard Nixon, do solemnly swear. I, Richard Nixon, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability, and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Preserve and protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help me God. So help me God. back we just watched all the president's men an intriguing movie about all kinds of espionage and journalism and stuff uh but before we get to what i thought uh eric why do you love this movie so much uh i love this movie because of the scene where bernstein throws a cookie at woodward and woodward says i don't want a cookie that, that's pretty much it. That's just my one reason. I don't even think I, like I caught that happening. <laughs> that, that's um, that's the scene where they're, um, Bernstein is unloading all of the notes from his pockets where he's been scribbling down right, the right, notes right. after talking to the bookkeeper. And then he walks over to like a cookie jar and throws a cookie at Woodward. And Woodward intercepts it and says, I don't want a cookie and keeps on typing. <laughs> somehow, I, somehow I miss the cookie part of that exchange. That, that's uh, that's one of my favorite scenes, my favorite little moments. Um, I think, I mean, I'm being facetious. There's a lot I like about this movie, <laughs> as, as there always is. Um, but that that gets to um, the screenplay for this, this movie, which I neglected to uh, put into the intro that you read. The screenplay for this movie was written by William Goldman, who also wrote The Princess Bride. 
Uh, he also wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, so he knows uh, how to write a screenplay. He's written. He's pretty he's good one or at two. Yeah. writing a screenplay. Yeah, and so I um, I adore just sort of the the way that uh, I mean, first off, I'm I'm jealous of how versatile a writer he is, but mm-hmm. um, I I I love the way that he transformed a. It's, it's based on, obviously, the book, All the President's Men, which was released before Nixon resigned. It was released in the a couple months before Nixon resigned, the original book. Madness. Um, and I, I love the way it's that still, he turned— like, And I mean, like, even though I know the dates and I know the story, mm-hmm. it is still mind-boggling, like, every time I revisit it, whether it's in a movie or the podcast Slow Burn, which, full disclosure, is, like, part of our— impetus for wanting to do this podcast about yeah we should have said in the intro Um, we we love slow burn it was came out earlier this year it's a little bit old by now but it's totally worth uh listening to that if you haven't um but it's like anytime i have occasion to like interact with the watergate story it is just so mind-blowing the the amount of lag time between i mean not just the break-in and like sure people didn't know how big a deal it was and he ended up getting reelected. fine but like the amount of lag time between like when like the actual real story started coming out and how long it took for him to resign is just it's just mind-boggling Report good reporting takes time, you know. That is and very that, true, that, and that's exactly the point. It's like is Goldman took a real life story of just dogged, you know, journalism of reporting, and he turns it into this great, charming detective story that's at times, you know, scary, at times funny, at times just um, I I don't know. I just I love I love the way that um, this movie transforms what could have been a really like hard to film subject it makes it cinematic mm-hmm. in a way that i think is deceptively hard to do that oh that's, yeah it's just it's so impressive this well, movie well it's you know a, a kind of a good test for a movie like this where you know exactly what the outcome is going to be is like yes. when you're still engrossed and and you're still full of tension i mean we all know nixon resigned we all know that the boston globe published those stories and about the uh sexual abuse in the catholic, catholic church, church. Yeah. we all know the outcome at least those are those of us who went, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if the outcome of the Pentagon Papers lawsuit is something that everyone. I feel like, like that's less well known. It's yeah, it's less well known. <laughs> but those of us who went to journalism school, like, have it be like I didn't even know what was in the Pentagon Papers, but I knew the <laughs> outcome of the lawsuit because, oh my right. God, do we learn that in journalism school? Kind um, of important. Yeah, a little bit. You know, defining what our. Uh, de- better defining press freedoms and such like anyway um <laughs> you know like you know you know what these you know what's going to happen and yet you're totally engrossed and like you feel like this the stakes feel high and like that is definitely mm-hmm. the mark of a well done particularly like movie about you know something real that really happened you know exactly. to be to be able to to be able to maintain that kind of tension is is great and a mark of a well done thing obviously i liked this movie I, I was thinking, like, I didn't want to give away the whole thing up front, but given the fact that you have a penchant for noir and for detective stories, I mean, this is like, and it's about journalism. It does feel like a detective story. This movie is like tailor-made for you. It's journalism porn. Are you kidding me? That's like, yeah. that's what this is. And I mean, so is The Post and so is Spotlight, which in case it wasn't clear that were the other movies I was just referencing. Yes. Um, it's, it's absolute journalism porn to some extent. Although actually, you know what? That is a, that is a really good analogy, I think, because there's a lot of stuff in porn that sets like some unrealistic expectations that don't 
um, that don't <laughs> that don't necessarily that aren't fully tethered to the reality of like what actually happens when you're when like that is going down. And the same is true of journalism porn in that, like one of my few criticisms of this movie, and it's actually, honestly, I don't think it's a criticism of the movie. Like, unless I'm mistaken, I think it's a Woodward and Bernstein criticism. And one that's been leveled Mm -hmm. at them before is that I can't, I can't begin to imagine approaching my editor with, Oh, I said some initials to a person and she nodded. (laughs) And then when I came back and said like, so those initials meant this, she didn't say no. So that's confirmation from one source. (laughs) Like, come on. And I mean, of course, of course, again, we all know the history. We know they ended up being right, but who boys, that's some shaky methods of confirming shit. Oh my God. Well, and and also, I mean, just sort of, um, you also have the scene, I mean, this is a much lesser, uh, offense, but the scene where, uh, Bernstein imitates a county official to get the secretary out of the room so he can get into Dardis's yeah, office. That's like, just that's like some Veronica Mars shit where it's like, okay, you're a private investigator, right. so this is okay, but Jesus. Yeah, as a, as a journalist, that's certainly mm-hmm. you know crossing a little bit a little bit of a line there. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's what what he actually did. I mean, you know, they, they were intimately involved in the you know uh, in the movie. Well, so. and that's and it's based on their book, and that's why I'm saying it's like it's like I honestly this isn't a movie criticism. It's a Woodward and Bernstein criticism. It's exactly. a, like what they got away with, and like I do feel like they they in large part got away with it because they ended up being right. But like yeah. it would be really easy for that stuff to be wrong. So. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is jumping ahead to, like, the end of this story, an end of the filmed story. Obviously, the movie stops at a very abrupt point. Um, Which is my other major overarching criticism, but we'll get back to it. Finish your sentence. (laughs) Um, What I was going to say is that um, they never actually say this phrase, but, you know, when they're talking to uh, Sloan at the end, they get what I would call a non-confirmation confirmation from him, where where they're they're writing the big story that they screw up, um, where they say that he named uh, Haldeman the testimony, and he he didn't. And if you watch that scene closely, he never, like, you know, they're kind of talking to each other, but then the questions they ask him, he answers honestly. He says something to to the effect of, like, I answered every question they asked. And so, as, as we then find out, they didn't ask about Haldeman, you know, later on. Um... So right. it's, it's, it's yeah. I think it's really, um, I think it's interesting that this movie doesn't gloss over that major, major failing that, that, mm-hmm. that it treats, it treats what would be, I think the end of act two in, you know, another movie, it would treat would be the darkest point of the story. It kind of takes that as like, that's like the end. That's, that's the climax of the movie is them fucking up this really major story. And then Bradley saying, get back to work. You know, the results of the latest Gallup poll? Half the country never even heard of the word Watergate. Nobody gives a shit. You guys are probably pretty tired, right? Well, you should be. Go on home. Get a nice hot bath. Rest up 15 minutes. Then get your asses back in gear. We're under a lot of pressure, you know, and you put us there. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters, but if you guys fuck up again, I'm going to get mad. Um, well, and it's, again, a, a different time, but it's, it is interesting, um, you know, it's, and it's, it's, 
I, obviously the sources were squirrely, so it would have been probably difficult to do this anyway. But like, it's one of those things where it's like most. Obviously, I work in radio, so of course I'm using I'm record sound recording everything. But most newspaper reporters I know like use a tape recorder. Um, for that, I don't know if that was as easy to do. No, it wasn't. They were a hell of a lot bigger, and that's the thing. It's one of those technology things where it's like now you can have a little little handheld mini tape recorder and it's fine. Or honestly, that was ten years ago. Now everyone just has a recording app on their cell phone. But um. But yeah, that's one of those sort of dangers of like relying on notes all the time. Is it's a, it's a lot more kind of he said she said kind of stuff. But uh, the bigger point I was going to make though is like I do feel like uh, I feel like this movie wanted to be a miniseries, <laughs> and and I mean the thing is like there's not much they could have cut from what was in the movie like all of that detail was necessary because all the reporting builds on the other reporting um but but it felt like they were making a movie and they got to a point where like holy shit we're already two two hours and 20 minutes into a movie that is way too long for a movie especially in (laughs) 1979 i mean we're not talking now when movies can just be three hours this is 76 Um, yeah so oh why did i think it was 79 in any case, mm. it's the 70s. It's not 2018 when movies can just <laughs> casually be three hours long. Um, you know, it's like they got to a point that was like, oh, shit, that's that's feature feature length. Bam. We're just going <laughs> to put the rest of it up in, in typewriters. Like, OK, it was super anticlimactic. Yes. Um, and like, I I guess I could see an argument where one might say that they were emphasizing the reporting in the newspaper side as opposed to wanting to reuse like some of the most famous and most reused I have to assume uh video footage in history of Nixon resigning that wouldn't have been that difficult to just throw up the footage of Nixon resigning but um but really though I think um I do think it it feels the story is twisty and complicated enough there's so much granular detail it it feels it feels more like it feels like a movie that wanted to be a miniseries. Um, and in fact, a couple of the things like, like what you just said about, um, about them fucking up that story. And then that's kind of like where the movie ends. And right. it's like, that could be like the dark turn that ends an episode of the miniseries before they like get to it. Or that could like that conflict. Well, can... I mean, look, let's be honest. The, the, the ending would be Bradley telling them, uh, you know, go, go take a bath, rest for 15 minutes and get back to work. Right. I mean, that, that, would that's such, that's such a great line. that would be the end of the episode <laughs> yeah. though. And then there'd be another yeah. episode where they continue doing the rest of the reporting. And there'd be yeah. an, another thing, another thing that, that similarly sort of feels narratively, like it comes at the wrong point in the movie and is less of a big deal than it should be is the revelation from Deep Throat, who, of course, we didn't know who it was at the time because dude took that secret to his grave. Uh, well, no, he was still alive when when, when they, he revealed it. Was he? he, he- I yeah, no, it was, so. I, no, I remember this. Um, it was 2005. I, I know this because I was in journalism class, and this was a couple months after we watched All the President's Men in that journalism class in my high school. Um, his He was, I think, starting to lose his marbles a little bit. This is Mark Fell, the, the man yeah. who, was, uh, who was Deep Throat. Um, I think he was uh, starting to lose his marbles a little bit, and so it was kind of sketchy whether or not he did it completely of his own volition or whether his daughter kind of pressured him into it. But he was alive uh, 
when when he uh, went public with the fact that he was deep throat. And so there's a photo of huh. him kind of waving at the cameras from his house. I um, really, I could have sworn. No, no, that... he, he, was, he was. I mean, he died a little bit after that. I think he died like a year or two after that. But um, he was. Oh alive yeah, you're. To- I'm he... looking. I'm looking it up right now, and you're totally right. Huh? Why did I think that he had that he died? But I mean, he did. Mm. It, he did wait for decades. Yeah, and he, um, he and he had explicitly denied that he was deep throat for for a long time before that. Like there were right, people there was who asked him point blank. Yeah, and it was and like I don't know. I I think that the fact that he um didn't say it till the end. I I don't know. I I think he kind of has a bit of a complicated legacy. Um, once he was once he revealed himself to be deep throat, it, it kind of the history began to fall into place that a lot of what he did in that capacity was motivated more by like personal like being snubbed mm-hmm. at work and less by like patriotic you know like yeah. fear for the future having of the an nation. axe to grind as we say yeah as they say yeah does he have an axe um but in any case i mean you know okay so he did come clean fine he did come clean while he was alive but he did he waited for decades yes um so so there is that uh what was I saying? Oh, anyway. Oh, that was just an aside to the point of like, like the, the whole thing about Woodward and Bernstein being under surveillance, like mm-hmm. that to me is such a present, of course, cause I know it all after the fact, like that to me is such a present part of like the story, like the fact that everyone was under surveillance and their phones were bugged and all of this stuff that right. like, it was really surprising to me that like, none of them knew that was happening until like the very last time he meets with deep throat in the movie. And he tells him that, and they have literally two conversations that mm-hmm. like the circumstances are, are set up by the fact that they now know they're under surveillance. And that was fucking it. And it's yeah. like, that's one of those things where it's like, again, that should be, that should be part of it's, it. It just, it's just, it, honestly, it's just kind of too long and complicated of a story that, like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna tell it in this level of granular detail, like, mm-hmm. it just feels like it's longer than one movie. <laughs> I, I agree with that 100%. No, I think if the movie, if this were being made today, it would absolutely be a miniseries, like you're saying. Um, but I do fall into the camp of the, the, what you were describing there of the, if you cut, you know, stuff here and replaced it with kind of the the bigger picture, you know, arc of history stuff that we've seen a million times, I do think the movie would be worse if you if you were to shorten the report, the shoe leather reporting, and do that. And so, oh um, well, no, what I meant, sorry, when I when I was talking about that, I meant literally the way the movie ends, where it's like yeah. it's like scenes and acting and stuff, and then and then it's just like you just watch that teletype machine is that what it is i don't even know what it is the like automated oh, yeah. the automated I... typing machine um yeah, that yeah. types out all of the headlines over the net over like the intervening months the and then service. and then it yeah. and then it types out and it well it was like it was watch i guess it's the wire service anyway it was um typing out you know nixon resigns period boom end of movie that's mm-hmm. what it, that's what i meant by like they were emphasizing the newspaper side of it as opposed to ending on the footage of Nixon. Like, I didn't mean in terms of, like, the focus of the rest of the movie. I just meant, like, it was, like, a really anticlimactic ending. It was, like, type, 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 end. Like, roll credits. It was, like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a couple things going on here. So one is that, um, 
And they, they talk about this on a couple episodes of Slow Burn. That I mean, this movie defined the popular, like, memory oh, yeah. of Watergate for a lot of folks. But this is very much just the Woodward and Bernstein stories. This doesn't get into it all. You know, it, it doesn't even talk about Nixon's secret tapes in the White House, which right, were, that came wasn't out in the them. course of... Exactly. It came out in the course of the investigation, the congressional uh, investigation, right. when, they, when they get Butterfield to testify. Um well, here, let me pull up something. Let me, let me pull up something. This is something I uh, tweeted walking out of the theater when I saw the post, Steven Spielberg's movie about Okay, that's uh, going to take Pentagon you a papers. while because that was months no, I, ago. I already pulled it up. Okay. Um, I, I tweeted at the time. This is back in January. Uh, the post is a better movie than All the President's Men, and Meryl Streep should have won the Golden Globe. Uh, I stand by that second point 100%. I think she should have won uh, an award or two for that for that performance as Catherine Graham. But I, I'm conflicted about this. Having you know recently rewatched this movie, I think The Post is a more complete movie. It's a more yeah. dramatically satisfying movie. But uh, having watched them in close proximity, I think that I can forgive the abruptness and the sense of narrative incompleteness. I, I, I you know, I agree that the movie ends in a really weird and unsatisfying place. And yet I kind of don't care. I kind of, <laughs> kind of like, there, there's just so much about the look and the, this, this, the way this movie sounds and just seeing the process. I, I just am eager. I'm eager and willing to overlook those, um, that unusual nature, you know, the, the, the unusual ending and the oh. unusual structure for, for that. You know, I, I, mean, I, I can't really bring myself to, like, criticize, per se, the, you know, the way it was handled. I feel like if you're going to make a movie and not a, and you can't make a miniseries, if you don't have the luxury at this time of making a miniseries because everyone's making a miniseries for Netflix, right? If the movie is the predominant art form, which it was at this time in the 70s. Uh, there was a moment happening uh, in the 70s of of uh, limited limited run event miniseries that happened on network TV. Really? So Absolutely. Like, that's when Roots came out. Was oh, I thought that was the eighties. Okay. Nope. I, was I just I just googled it. Nineteen seventy seven, and there and there is no. a couple others that are not that don't spring to mind quite as quickly. But there was totally a there was a there was a chance then there was a spate of okay. of um there was a spate of of event limited run event miniseries. Now, however, that said. TV was very much like the like sort of bastards could not not necessarily in reality again roots is this like incredible critically acclaimed thing sure. but in 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 popular imagination and in the world of of cinema you know uh, TV <laughs> being in, a TV actor was still considered a second rate TV TV in the, in the 70s was very much like the the like the bastard stepchild of like entertainment so like I understand why with this big high profile thing of like the most important <laughs> thing that has happened and it happened like three years ago and here we are making a movie about it I understand why they didn't go with an event miniseries but I will quibble with the point that 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 wasn't like a potential option in the era it definitely was it was an option but but i think but it's also it, worth noting something that something that uh, not is, the is level of option is, not the level of option that it would be today in terms of either press in terms of prestige or um or levels of platforms like that there were i mean there were literally three networks like it would have had to be on one of them and there would be no oscars in play like 
Yeah, and and and, the, and it's worth noting that the person who kickstarted a lot of this stuff. So, Robert Redford was reading the Washington Post articles, like just the 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 day to day coverage of Watergate in the Post, and he told Woodward and Bernstein to make themselves characters in their book. Oh wow! He, he approached he approached them with an eye toward, uh, you know, possibly turning this into a movie. And he was a big movie star. Well, so yes, in of terms course. of the creative the creative energies of, you know, what was pushing, where would this thing go? It wasn't someone who was thinking this could be a movie or it could be a TV show. This was, right, was one like, of the world's leading TV, one of the world's leading movie stars, you know, thinking like, you know, this should be a movie. Totally, totally. <laughs> well, and again, I mean, too, too, to be clear, like I this this is we're we're like having this like argument about this and like this is not a particularly <laughs> this is not a particularly like strong or like like fervently felt criticism on my part. I mean, when you think about what I'm saying when I first of all, A, two points. One, when you when you think about what I'm saying when I say this really should be a miniseries, not a movie, is I'm asking for more of this movie. I'm yes. asking for two to three <laughs> times as much length of this movie. So clearly I enjoyed the movie. I did I did find the ending a little bit unsatisfying. Although again, Fair. you know, I, I and it's not it's not that big of a criticism. It's like it's mostly a quibble. Like I would have liked a more satisfying ending. Um, of course it was also the I mean, obviously Nixon had resigned, but like it was also a much less complete and past story, especially in the 70s the than it is now, you know. Like, Fair, yeah. So like there might not have been as much closure to create as as we now <laughs> have on Watergate. So although we don't have yeah. closure on Watergate because we keep calling every fucking scandal something gate. So <laughs> we're still obsessed. I guess, yeah. Says a person literally talking on a podcast about stuff about Watergate, so Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so should we should we stop talking about the medium and start talking about the actual movie or Sure. <laughs> um so yeah, as I already mentioned, you know, I uh, the the fact that this was turned into a kind of a noirish detective story, I love that. I mean I love the, the, the writing about this. But in terms of the actual content of it, um I wanted to ask you about some of the stuff that's like iconic from this movie because this is such like a cultural like touch point for so many people with how they God, remember Watergate. I hate the word iconic they think about... so much, but because this movie is so big and what it's about, I'll allow it in this instance. Because like this is an iconic movie. Yeah. So for, for example, just kind of this movie's place in in the political imagination. Uh, when you were listening to Hamilton and they sang Follow the Money and See Where It Goes, did you know that that was a line from this movie? No, I have to do this my way. You tell me what you know and I'll confirm. I'll keep you in the right direction if I can, but that's all. Just follow the money. No, I did not know that this was a line from... That was a line from this movie. Also, um... Like, I don't know. That's such a common phrase in. Nope. William Goldman invented it for this movie. Dude, I'm not. I'm not arguing that William Goldman didn't invent it. Calm down. Whoa. I I, but I'm saying that no, that's how important this movie me is. My sentence. Sorry. No. Sorry. What I'm what I'm saying is is that what I was gonna say is that uh, before you interrupted me was that um, now today in 2018 20 whatever 16 when we listened to Hamilton the first time 
um, that is such a common phrase and such common advice that is given to journalists and given to investigators to follow the money because it's it's the way to, uh, you know, it's the way to uncover like what's really happening, whatever, that it didn't even occur to me listening to Hamilton that it was from anything or a reference to anything other than just like a thing that exists. Like yeah. it, did, it didn't even occur to me that it came from something. Yeah. That was all I was saying. I wasn't disputing the idea that it came from no, this. Sorry, I, I'm, I, I'm sorry <laughs> if I came off as too argumentative there. I'm, yeah, I'm trying you like to... jumped down my throat. Um, sorry. And again, I wasn't I wasn't trying to argue with you that like William Goldman didn't invent the phrase. I fully believe you that he did. I'm just saying it when it when I heard it in Hamilton, it didn't even occur to me that it came from anything other than yeah. just like society. I mean, I assume there's more. Well, I mean, I guess one other major thing I'll mention, since I know that we both really like The Post, is uh, the fact that this movie has all these asides about Ben Bradley sticking up for the Kennedys, about his association with with, with the JFK administration. Oh, oh, are you going to bring up? Are you going to bring up Catherine Graham not being in this movie? Oh, that too. <laughs> oh, okay, continue. Uh, well, no, d- d- just the fact that that's something that is much more explicitly said in the post because we're farther from Ben Bradley. At the time, it was I think more. I think maybe it was more uh, established, or Ben Bradley was a more familiar figure, um, and so so they didn't really spell it out in this movie. But in the post, they really spell out like uh, his complicated relationship with the Kennedy family. <laughs> yeah, like um, it, I mean, I think I think it's fair to say the post is more at least implicitly critical of yes. those relationships, not just with Ben Bradley and the Kennedys. I mean, they do the same thing with Catherine Graham. Just in general, the post the post is a lot more is a lot more uh takes a lot a much more critical lens to like the overall like creep incestuous problematic culture that that exists or existed between you know major political figures like the kennedys and huge important journalism players like ben bradley and Catherine graham like for sure the post and and i do think i do think distance is probably is probably a big um a big factor in that although i also think it might be um i don't know i think because i think because were well yeah it's still distance i guess but you know i i think that culture has has changed and morphed in, in other ways that like it's that might have felt less of a big deal at the time than it does now in retrospect maybe, maybe? i don't I mean, know i honestly the, don't know yeah um so i mean th- th- those are just little things i'd, I'd written down I, I have more obviously but but yeah what else was kind of what else jumped out of you uh um well, I mean, my own uh, other, obviously, I just mentioned Catherine Graham not being in this, which is like, and of course, any movie has to focus on what it's focusing on. And this was focusing on the reporting, whereas The Post is much more focusing on, like, her and her role in, um, but, you know, I like, she supported and went to bat for them and at one point was, like, vulgarly, uh, you know, threatened, mm-hmm. at least, you know, secondhand in this movie and the idea that, like, no mention was made of like her as a person. We didn't see her reaction or anything. She wasn't even like a voice on the end of the phone that they told about this. It's kind of like Jesus. Yeah. You really said that about Mrs. Graham. Well, I'll cut the words of her tit and print it. Wow. This is a family newspaper. And also, and you know, another um just another point, and I could be remembering this wrong. 
but because it's been now several months since I listened to Slow Burn, but I feel fairly confident that they interviewed a reporter who was one of the beat reporters who was covering the Watergate break-in, like on the like municipal court level from the mm-hmm. very very beginning. I don't remember what outlet, and it was a woman. I, th- I think that was Leslie Stahl. Maybe. I, th- I, think, I think she. I think... I think she was the. Um, I think she. She was the other one besides Woodward who was in the courtroom when they arraigned the right. five burglars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. I think you're right. That's who it was. But and so and I'm just so so you know, my reaction to seeing him like walk into that into the courtroom scene where there's other people who look like they're reporters standing around. I'm just like mm-hmm. she I'm not even asking for her to have like a major part in the movie. It's just like for I was I <laughs> what I literally wrote down in my notes was point of information, one of those extras should be a woman. Like just throwing <laughs> that out there. And it's just yeah. one of those, it's just one of those, like, um, I don't know, it's just one of those little blind spot, not little, major blind spot things where it's like this, we we have, and this is like a, this is like a criticism of like society at large that like we all <laughs> have, we have the, we and, you know, our, our, our entertainment makers and everything have this like, uh, have this tendency to just assume that everyone in the room was a white man. And yes, at this time, even more so than now, even though it's still true now that like, most people in the room are still probably white men. It's like, it's not actually true that it was all of them, though. So. Right. If, if, you, if you omit someone from a popular movie, omit a, a, you know, someone like that, even if they were, in, they were the minority historically, that has a profound ripple effect. Right. And like, in terms of, like, you think of young journalists watching the movie, if they, if they don't see a woman in that room when there was one, then that may discourage, you know, young women from pursuing journalism in some butterfly effect way down the line they yeah. might think that i don't see myself in that room so therefore it's not this is not my profession yeah exactly and i mean look we talked about we talked about watching i didn't i watched a different movie but when you were in high school you watched this movie in your newspaper class and like yeah i'm sure that many 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 do and like thank god that they can now also show their their young budding reporters <laughs> the post and spotlight that actually have women in the newsroom. Anyway, yeah, that's just that's just the you know requisite feminist rant. I'm always gonna go on, although <laughs> I stand I stand by it. Um, so that's just one thing. But anyway, other than that and the abrupt ending of the movie, like I I really did enjoy this movie. Um, it's like it's super it's super good at at just kind of sucking you in. I also love how like, um. On the one hand, like they do, a, they they're very careful to like lay out who people are and like mm-hmm. how the reporting built and everything. But there's also some stuff that is just like, uh, I think they just kind of take for granted that you're gonna know what it is because it's 1976 and Watergate just fucking happened, <laughs> and obviously everybody knows what creep is, right? And like eventually they started saying the committee to reelect too. But like I swear to God, I heard them say creep multiple times in that movie before oh, anyone yeah. ever said the committee to reelect the president <laughs> because everybody just knows what creep is cuz of course everyone knows what that is cuz it's 1976 and Watergate just happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean there's also I mean a lot of the kind of labyrinthine like the 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 way the story unfolds with like this person paid that person and that person's money wound up in the hands of this person. Um, this is a movie where uh, it is actually helpful to sometimes have the captions on, uh, so you can like just keep track of all these different names, like you know. And here is Don Segretti, and don't get too used to him; he'll be gone in five minutes. <laughs> well, you know? especially as they're like muttering, um, 
you know, muttering yes. quietly, trying not to, trying not to be heard or like overheard or whatever. Um, that is that is really true. And actually, I will say, you know, I've had a lot more. Uh, I've had I've had m- it's been a while, but I've had more of a refresher on Watergate than I usually have top of mind because I. Mm-hmm did just listen to slow burn you know several months ago when it came out and i have relatively recently rewatched uh the movie that we're going to watch next it's also about watergate and deals with a lot of these same people so like i have them a little more i have had a refresher more recently than like if we'd done this a year ago for the 45th anniversary which might make sense <laughs> um to where like honestly like i i do think that a lot of the details would be pretty a lot of it would be difficult to follow if you didn't if you didn't go in knowing who Haldeman and John Mitchell and, and all of these names that they just keep throwing around. And like when they react to someone's name, um, Mm -hmm. when they react to someone coming up in the, in a discussion or whatever, uh, you know, they often don't, I did often, they often kind of back announce who it is. Cause they're like in an interview with someone and they don't want to spook them. So they, they just like keep their reaction muted. And, and so you have to know and process what's going on for a while on your own before Bernstein runs back to Woodward and is, is actually like doing exposition talk. So it's like, right. it is super high. Like it's really helpful to know the history already. <laughs> like, yeah, th- this, this is a movie that definitely benefits from, Whatever your background is, whether it's a podcast or a journalism class or be having lived through the actual events, you know, yeah, um, watch the hearings on to... TV and all that. Yeah, um, I, I will say though that there is something um, there is there is something really fun about the fact, the historical fact that Woodward and Bernstein were both kind of losers in the newsroom, and so oh, that yeah. there is. There is an inroad there for the audience to be a little ignorant because they're a little ignorant. Like Woodward doesn't know who Charles Coulson is, and he yeah. gets that, that. I think my favorite like running joke in the movie is is Charles Coulson's title. Um, when Woodward is talking to Bradley later on, and he kind of like looks for approval over over at the the editor, you know, when he's giving Coulson's title. Yeah. And uh, then later on, uh, Bernstein is typing up something, and he asks Woodward, oh, what's Coulson's title? <laughs> <laughs> and Woodward once again looks at the same editor and is like, see, I'm not the only one who doesn't know it. <laughs> well, and it's one of those, um, that that as well as like when they're trying to figure out who uh, Ken. Ken Dahlberg. The yeah, guy yeah, yeah, who, the, mid- uh, the Midwest yeah. finance chair for, for Creep. Um, yeah like when they're trying to figure out who he is, it's like both of those are such striking, striking moments of, of pre Google life. I mean, like our jobs were <laughs> so much harder before we had the internet. I, I say, I say, full of phone books. I say never having had to do my job without the internet. Um, <laughs> that like, Oh my God, the, yeah. Having to like, having to like call down to the newspaper archives and get them to go through like your, all of your past papers to see if this guy ever came up once because they're trying to figure out who he is and it's like literally you could just google that name and he would probably come up yeah in the google but yeah if results. he's the chair of a midwest campaign finance i mean that's a you know senior enough position that that would be recorded somewhere more right. than just one caption of one photo yeah <laughs> exactly exactly um, when it is, it's not even recorded in the caption of the photo. He, the caption of the photo only gives him where the dude lives. So he knows which phone book to look True. in. Like it's crazy. And we can search <laughs> all the phone books everywhere now, you know? Um, yeah. 
so anyway, that's just and so so this this brings me to the not act not a broader point, but just just like most of the rest of my notes about this movie are like mm-hmm. are like as a reporter. Like I'm really infuriated by Woodward's extremely messy and anarchic note taking. Like <laughs> obviously a messy and anarchic desk is par for the course. That's how mine looks. But like, oh my God, you can follow my notes. Like you don't have to be me inside my own brain to follow the notes that I take. When somebody, when somebody, you know, that I'm talking to somebody on the phone or whatever. And like, I mean, sometimes they might be on the back of an envelope because I don't have a notebook to hand when someone finally calls me back. But they're still legible. You could still potentially parse, you know, in order. And like there's (laughs) arrows that connect things that are related and stuff. They're not just like random words scattered all over a legal pad with a supplementary reporter's notebook and it's unclear which one has which information on it like what the <laughs> hell man that is and, not and how also you the, the doodle of the guy in sunglasses you know when he's bored of the phone call yeah <laughs> yeah well i mean like i'll i'll doodle when i'm on hold but yeah crazy those are just those are yeah those notes those notes were like giving me some anxiety um and you know so the so the rest of my notes about the movie are are stuff like that like uh you know i find it entertaining that they don't feel the need to define creep but they are they are journalists at a newspaper who say paragraph instead of graph oh huh and i mean like a a newspaper in the 70s too i mean i feel like some of i feel like some of that lingo is not necessarily as as widely used anymore um, but oh, that's true, and also, and also, Bernstein, uh, when he's uh, polishing Woodward's uh, story, he says, "I changed the first paragraph." That's, when what, I'm, I think... that's what I'm talking about. He says, oh, I, I changed, I changed he, the first first read, paragraph. Yeah. Like you didn't you didn't yeah. mention so and so until you got to the third paragraph. I'm like, who would say paragraph? Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, you would say graph. And again, especially not necessarily now. I think that there's there's a lot of like, I don't know. I think things are a little bit different and a little a little more relaxed now, but at the fucking Washington post in 1972, really, <laughs> I think they're probably saying graph. Yeah. You know, like that wasn't terminology. We, have, we learned in the broadcast concentration in journalism school, but the newspaper people learned it. Like that was how they all spoke. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's all I got. I just have, I just have like really not remotely interesting journalist watching a journalism movie commentary (laughs) oh one more unrelated thing sloan so you i don't know i I, it's funny it's funny the actors you you highlight versus the ones that jump out to me um that sloan is uh the dad from seventh heaven who of course has been which i've never watched yeah it's not good and he's been accused of doing terrible things so oh uh so we don't actually like him but um i was just like (laughs) oh my god whoa way younger reverend camden what is this <laughs> um i'm looking at his imdb apparently he was also in the first star trek movie uh, that's his the other thing he's known oh. for hmm. i didn't um, anyway I did not know that. um seventh heaven star trek and apparently doing awful things uh good resume yeah um, i don't i i anyway uh, and and uh, Jane Alexander, who plays the bookkeeper, who was nominated for an Oscar for for her performance really? uh, in this, um, she is, I think, along with Meryl Streep and Dustin Hoffman, I think she's one of the stars of um, uh, Kramer versus Kramer, which oh, I have not seen. Neither have I. Is, uh, I think it's supposed to be a wonderful uh, drama. Um, it's supposed to be a very good film. It is, yes, um, it is. It, that is its reputation. I but I've never yeah. seen it, so. 
Yep. So she she's in that that as well. Huh, um, and then of course Hal Holbrook as Deep Throat. Oh I did, yeah, I he's to great. Put him in the intro. He was he was solid. He was he was good. And, and kind of fun bit of trivia about about him is that when they were casting the role, uh, the real Woodward uh, approved Holbrook as saying that he was the one who who looked the most like Deep Throat. Um, uh, looked the most Goodness. Like the real guy. That feels yeah. like it could blow the real guy's cover. Like whoa. Yep. Yikes. <laughs> Um, that's a that's a. I'm not, I'm not sure how many people he told that fact to, but it is true that they that they look not interesting. Similar. Interesting. So speaking of the identity of Deep Throat, um, I yeah. think it's I think it's time to move on to what we're going to be watching tomorrow, which like okay, you can you can claim that that Woodward said that Hal Holbrook looked like Deep Throat, and you can pretend mm-hmm. that the version of events shown in this movie is correct sure we'll put that in air quotes but (laughs) but i think that it is pretty clear to everyone who knows anything about this that the movie we're gonna watch tomorrow is the one that really sets the record straight on the identity of deep throat and also pretty much how all of this came about so do tell uh so that is a movie called dick that stars Kirsten Dunst and Michelle Williams, and Dick obviously <laughs> refers to Richard Nixon. Tricky oh, Dick. Oh, now I get it. And <laughs> what else could it possibly mean, Eric? God. <laughs> uh, and you know, it really, it really, I think, um, I think it really hits the nail on the head in terms of in terms of how how Watergate really went down. So. This is the definitive Watergate it story. Is. I mean, it's it's uh, cute I'm... that you and so much of the world thinks that this is, but like honestly, Dick, <laughs> Dick is really the movie that like that that's actually it's actually the Watergate story. So right, you'll you'll finally have the have the your story straight tomorrow. I I'm looking forward to that. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> we'll wrap up our Watergate weekend tomorrow. Watergate um, weekend, un- woo! Until then, Emily, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I am on Twitter at EJ Reports. And I am on Twitter at Hey Hey ESJ. And I'm also on Instagram at ESJ Movies. Oh, fancy. This is Giant Geek versus Mega Noob. And we are not here. Well, clearly we are here. But, but we're, not we're not here. here in a capacity as a podcast host anymore. <laughs> This has been Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. For more, visit GVNPodcast.com.